Welcome to the Perp Web Podcast, hosted by Joe Bosch. Okay, final talk of the day. How to protect the kidney. Finally, we're going to get some answers. <laughs> Dr. Kultoni, thank you so much. And Dr. Navar, all right, answers to our questions. I'll, I'll try my best. Um, try, I mean, um, Confuso um, Zero publication that um, actually no exactly answer, but um, the best one that we can like a guidance, we can think about it and and then adapt um, for our job. I mean, um, before before our presentation, I I am the same as every perfusionist. I think. Um, Please let me know what is the best way to do. Do you have the optimal four that we can do 2.4, 2.5, 2 or anything? Do you have optimal hematocrit? But until now, yes, no answer for this. But many clinical trial, many study try to, I mean, um, they, they dedicate to, to um, finally, I try to conclude everything is here. And um, I wish it's, it's here a little bit. Yeah, uh, I'll do. Um, I start with it, how we can protect the kidney from, from cardiac surgery associated um, AKI that we talk all day for today. Um, I actually, they have so, we think about the pre-operative, during the operative and post-operative, right? and I, I'll focus for the, the, the perfusionist job, the perfusionist law, and what perfusionist can do, and that, that's I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to do um, for this presentation. I'm thinking about, I, I mean, I have four key points for maybe easier for thinking about. I divided into part. First part, CPV-related factor, and this is a four key point um, for me. The first one, we need to concern about temperature, and then I'll, I'll show you for, the, for some study. We need to think about hematokit. Hematokit does refer to DO2 also. Um, we need to concern about the, the blood pressure and then about the four, finally. I'll, I'll start with the temperature. Um, this is a recent study. Dr. Nawaz sent me, um, just um, published, um, I mean, September 20, September this year, and they show, they compare the, the um, deep hypothermic circulatory arrest, that's um, we call the DSCA um, in this patient group. Um, group um, divided, they, they compare with um, two groups. You can see the, let me show you. And then they, they follow patients um, after that, um, after the surgery, and see if the AKI happened or not. Um, they have to, um, let me show you. They compare the, I mean, the aortic surgery, the group with the SCA and the group without the SCA. I point out to, in case of we, we stop, that's we, that's we um, talk in the morning, I mean, we stop the circulation and then we follow up to see um, the, the kidney function. Is it different or not? The results show it's peak different show after the surgery, but when you follow up for a for long time, um, three months and a year, it, it doesn't show any different, but it's different after post-op. Yes, I would say yes. Um, so um, from this study, they conclude that the DSCA is closely to related to AKI up to 48 hours. And also um, 
for the port of um, for for three months, but when compared after three months, it doesn't different. So what what, what I um want to um, show you for for this um I want to show you that even you stop the circulation, even you deep hypothermic circulatory arrest, yes, it's affect the AKI. Or even you didn't do the DSCA, I would say yes, it's effect on on the kidney also. Both are effects, but um, it's early or after that, it depends on, on what you do. And um, like I mentioned in the morning, for me, I'm, um, on my personal, I mean, during the hypothermia, um, we reduce the oxygen consumption. It's, it's like a reasonable to protect in some way. But for the rewarming, um, I, I want to emphasize that we need to very, very concerned in the rewarming period. That's th why, um, why, that's because we, we are going to return to normal function, but we are in the abnormal function. We are in the hemodilution. We are in the, um, I mean, low viscosity. So many things happen, but like a recalming, I, I feel like we are coming to, to, to normal situation. But the physiology um, during CPD is like the same way like this. It's not um, correlated like this. So we need to concern for the rewarming period. And then um, very nice study in the multiple center, um, I mean, um, maybe more than 6,000 patients that they follow up, um, they register. And they show very nice, um, very nice data. The prob probability to um, occur for the AKI, you can see. If you reform, if you reform um, to 36.5 or to or to 37, the probability, uh, the prob um, ability to AKI is very low. But if just only 0.5 from 37 to 37.5, you see, it's really increased the, the probability to happen for AKI. Really, I mean, it's very significant due to concern. Um, they conclude that um, the du duration of hypothermic perfusion rewarming temperature greater than 37 was an independent predictor of AKI. And I don't mean to interrupt you, but I have to ask, because I, 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 this is very important information to me. What temperature, where is that temperature being measured? Is that the arterial blood temperature? Is that the bladder temperature? Which temperature is that? Arterial temperature. The arterial inflow temperature. Yes, the arterial inflow temperature, very good question. The arterial inflow temperature, you should reform, you set up the, the heater cooler, you should um, and no more than 37. Very interesting, very, very interesting. And the more interesting that I want to show you is that, um, Actually, um, I want to, not only for, for kidney, but when we look at the, the brain, this is also a very nice study. They um, measure the GFAP. GFAP um, is very, very good biomarker to show the new neuron injury for the GFAP. And they show before CPB and after CPB, it's increasing GFAP. That means um, neuron injury in some way, right? And then for the rewarming period, they measure the, the GFAP again. Very nice study. If you um, reform 0.2 degree per minute, 
um, they compare uh, the group of no stock and stock. If you compare to, if you rebound point to degree Celsius per minute, compare with more than point three degree Celsius per minute, the stock happen in different way. And also the GFAP increasing in the group of you rebound more than point three degree Celsius per minute. And for the guideline, they um, suggest that we should, we, when we rewarm, we should concern no more than 0.5 degrees Celsius per degree. Mm. And again, from this study, they, um, they point to, you should to concern um, your arterial flow um, for the temperature no more than 37. And th that is um, the point of temperature that I think it may be held um, for some way of to protect the AKI. And then I'll, I'll talk about the, uh, the hematokit. Um, I mentioned that it's not just only hematokit, but it's referred for the DO2 also. Again, I showed this slide again. Um, um, I mean, right now, we, we um, mostly we talk about the DO2 for, for, for the perfusionist. That's the, um, from the, the study from um, Dr. Lanushi. And a very nice course from him, and I'll <laughs> go from running CPB below the critical DO2 means pushing patient into the anaerobic zone, a bad place to stay. And I totally agree with this. And again, um, like Joe um, showed before, and they have some like a quick guideline. Um, I want to point out for the hemoglobin, um, hemoglobin hematokit, which is referred to the DO2I. Um, for example, um, the BSA 1.5, if we, if we um, I mean, if we run um, cardiac index about two, this means that we should not run for about, what's about, what's, should run for about three, right? That means you need to keep hemoglobin about 10, 10 um, is about 30 for hematokit. But sometimes we cannot control for at the same point. Sometimes we need to low for, right? So for, <laughs> I mean, for the perfusionist practice, we, we sometimes happen that we need to low for. If you need to low for or you need to increase for, you need to think about the hemoglobin. For example, normally we should run about um, four at three, cardiac index two, which is a four at three. If you low for to, for example, 2.7, you need the hemoglobin about 11 to maintain DO2 at 280. So mm -hmm. I, I'm, I um, this point does mean um, we, we need to concern your flow correlates with um, the hemoglobin, hematokit, the DO, DO2I that we talk about all the many multi-factor effects and, and we need to think about it. And again, um, I'll, talk, I'll, I'll talk about the autofiltration um, during CPB even map couple, I mean, um, it's helped to, like a perfusionist training, we know um, when we filtrate water out, we increase the hematokit. It shouldn't be good for, uh, for kidney because you increase hematokit, you increase um, DO2, also um, high oncotic pressure, which is um, lecture in the morning, high oncotic pressure seems good protect um, kidney. And Dr. Navar said in his lecture yes. that a higher than normal oncotic pressure is much preferred to a lower than normal oncotic pressure. Which would, is that correct? Slightly higher. Yeah, I, I think it's true, yes. Okay, sorry. 
Yeah, that, that's the, the principle that we learn about uh, when we do half, why we do half um, is have a protective so many way in pre-schematoke as, as I mentioned. Um, before I go that, um, I very appreciate for, for this study. They show um, the body weight, I mean the body weight, weight gain during perioperative weight gain percent. If in the percent during perioperative weight gain more than 20%, percent, mm -hmm. no one survived from this study. Yes. So that means we need to, I mean, for the fluid management, mm -hmm. need to very, very concerned. And I point to this because uh, even MAP for half does help a lot to improve the, the fluid balance in, in our body. Um, my personal, I do agree to, to do the out of filtration, I mean, for mine. But some studies, um, that's that's I mentioned um, about the benefit of out of filtration um, before, but recent studies just from um, 2021 they show conventional out of filtration techniques like a carb video. Um, it's from it's like a have um, some adverse effect to um, for the AKI, and that's um, I mean the the t point that we talking. Um, so um, widely in for for perfusion, it's like a chain. Our our principle. Yeah, it doesn't. I see this, and this is some of this is what I I have read many studies like this, and I know a lot of cardiac surgeons, and it of course it's published data. Uh, it's coming from a reputable uh, uh, journal um, by a reputable researcher, but it is it 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 doesn't make any sense that there's increased um, uh, 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 morbidity associated with ultrafiltration during cardiac surgery. But um, actually, um, it depends on, I mean, for the volume you, you t took out, if less than 30, 32 milligram, um, I mean, less than 32 cc per, per kilogram, it's okay, you see, from the data, you see. Ah, uh, okay. But I mean, um, mostly we we like uh, we widely to talk um, the carb um, like it gets more AKI, but you need to see the data in the detail. Mm -hmm. I mean, that that I want to point from this study. It's happened, but it's happened if you um, filtered more than thirty-two um, thirty-two cc per kilogram. And they write um, in the discussion, it's like a, you know, parad paradoxical um, happen. It shouldn't be good, but why we, we see the bad effect and they, they show from this um, in the result. Removal of the weight in the cup, volume more than 32 cc per kilogram, increase the risk of post-operative AKI. Which so in our patients is three liters. We have, most of our patients are 100 kilos. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, we usually ultrafiltrate off our entire pump volume mm -hmm. unless they wrap. Um, so if my pump volume is 1,200 cc's, I take 1,200 cc's as a minimum. And then we give cardioplegia. If that's another 1,000 cc's, I'll take that 1,000 cc's. But I have to take into consideration that anesthesia generally treats hypotension, hypertension, and normotension all the same way, and that's by giving a lot of volume. Mm -hmm. So they may have given the patient two or three liters of volume. So for me to come out of there with only three liters of ultrafiltrations 
pretty thin. I'm usually a little higher. I could be higher than that. Mm -hmm. uh, and it really depends on, and of course, did the patient, was the patient in heart failure preoperatively? Mm -hmm. Was their heart stuffed full of volume and they were already total body fluid overloaded mm -hmm. and needed to be normalized? So there's a lot of other factors involved, but I would say 32, 32 and a half cc's per kilogram uh, of ultrafiltrates, pretty common. Yeah, um, but um, in the discussion, um, for some, I mean, some point of discussion, they said maybe because of hypoperfusion, but I don't get for this point, um, I mean, why hypoperfusion happened during CPB, because we can control for, do, do you have any ideas about it? I, I don't think we, ha we do I the hypoperfusion during we do carb, but, mm -hmm. but they point out for this. Yeah, I don't know. And I just think, I think that just from the perfusion aspect of it, so AKI is multifactorial. Mm -hmm. The impact of CPB is equally multifactorial. What oxygenator are you using? What flows do you use? What kind of hemodilution do you use? Do you hemoconcentrate or not? Um, what kind of acid-base balance do you maintain? Do you check and make sure your lactates are cleared? What's your albumin level? That's probably not in this study at all uh, mm -hmm. where they even check that. So mm -hmm. how much of that is gonna be an influence on how much volume you do or don't take off? Do you use mannitol or not use mannitol? Are you mm -hmm. using diuretics or not using diuretics? You know, we can, the, the, the causes, are you using uh, 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 are you using biocompatible surfaces in your in your uh, circuit um, yeah, so that you do or don't have a higher or lesser degree of uh, inflammatory processes mm -hmm. that go on? I mean, it, the the problem is is that everybody does their perfusion in their perfusion circuit, though similar but different. Mm -hmm. And a lot, what temperature are they cooling to? Yeah. How fast are they rewarming? You just brought up that point. So there's so many things that influence the end result mm -hmm. that are not taken into account in most studies. There's mm -hmm. not a standard standardization. Mm -hmm. You know, if you talk to a cardiac surgeon and you ask them, there's a 50% lesion in the LAD, they're not going to bypass it. They're not bypassing that lesion, 40%, we'll say 40%. They're not gonna bypass that lesion because the bypass, they're standard things. They're going to use the lima to the LAD mm -hmm. if possible, mm -hmm. preferentially, because that's the way you do it. You do a sternotomy the same way. It doesn't matter what surgeon it is, the sternotomy is a sternotomy. Mm -hmm. Sewing the bypasses on is sewing the bypasses on. There's very little difference in doing heart surgery from one surgeon to another. Now, one may be better than the other, faster than the other, but you know what I'm trying to say. The mm -hmm. operation is the operation, is the operation. Mm -hmm. In perfusion, it's not that way. There's all types of variations mm -hmm. that we do. And so we, as a profession, have literally very few standardized approaches towards doing bypass. Mm. Some people use 100% FiO2. 
uh, because they don't want any nitrogen. They feel that nitrogen is, uh, cre uh, creates more GME and that any GME are more likely to remain in the circulation. So they use 100% FiO2 on all of their cases. Um, others believe that, no, I turn my FiO2 down because I don't want to have, you know, these big high PO2s and concern about, I, I, I've heard that there's concern about oxygen toxicity. I don't understand. I don't think you would, but that's what they believe and that's the way they practice. So there's a lot of differences in practice. And then pressures. One cardiac surgeon wants the pressure at 50. I don't want it above 50. I don't want it below 50. I want it at 50 the entire case. Mm -hmm. Another cardiac surgeon wants it at 70. Another cardiac surgeon wants it tailored to that patient's history. And you know, hey, they got some carotid disease. They got some long-term hypertension. Let's run the perfusion pressures higher today. Um, you know, and, 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 and so, there's a lot of variation and there are other surgeons though that doesn't matter the patient's hypertensive doesn't matter the patient had pre-existing kidney disease i want the pressure at 50 and that's where i want the pressure because he wants to do the operation or she wants to do the operation so those things do occur and they're usually not part of the study or included in the analyses yeah i do and what about your team um you do half is Jim here? I yeah, mean, Jim's here. Yeah, you do yes, cup I'm or sorry. any con You do cup um, in your case? Um, yeah, occasionally. Uh, I just want to say that that Joe brings up a lot of interesting points. That mm -hmm. every, it's all the same, but it's all different in some mm -hmm. strange way. Yeah. And no two patients are the same. Mm -hmm. The only point I want to bring up is if. I have tried in the past, and I still do, is I try to follow up on the patients that I've done to try to keep a logbook and try to get some sort of understanding of what did I do or what didn't I do to produce a result, be it positive or negative. And granted, that takes a lot of time and it takes extra work that some of us may or may not wanna do, but I think as a profession, if you do follow up with the patients they, and speak to the ICU nurses, um, I can tell you uh, how many hours I've spent after I've brought the patient back to the ICU that I sit with the ICU nurses and I explain what really, really happened in the OR. Not the report that they got, but what really happened in the OR. Mm -hmm. And the stories can be completely different. And so if you, for myself, I've developed these relationships with the ICU nurses just to follow up on the patients to the point where the, the ICU nurses could tell who the perfusionist was for that particular case. I believe that. Yeah. I believe that yeah. once they realize how all of this actually does sort of work, because a lot of times they, they but it, it, when you show that kind of interest, they start noticing those differences. Mm -hmm. yes, and I yes. think that's very that's I think that's what separates professionals from mm -hmm. technicians a lot but right. a lot of people are very happy with just being technicians and going in and you know they do great they do a great case but you know yes, I mean they, they do a safe case let me put it that way let me not let me rephrase yes. that they do yes. a safe case 
for the immediate period of time. We don't know right. what other issues might occur or not occur, but showing that interest, I think, is you know part of the reason why you're an instructor at Rush, right? Right. Is, um, is it a job or is it a passion? Mm -hmm. Yes. It's as simple as that. I agree. Please, I'm so sorry. No, you're good. Well, you're good. Okay. Um, I talk about uh, the temperature that we need to concern the hematocrit DO2, and then I go for the arterial blood pressure. Um, one of, I mean, um, actually, I, I interesting in this part, individual blood pressure. Do, do you, um, what, what do you think about um, this one? I mean, the in, actually, we are different. Okay, our mean arterial blood pressure is, um, I mean, we are the range, but actually, we are individual. We mean individual blood pressure, and then they have the study. They study actually they they study the the renal auto uh, sorry the, the cerebral auto regulation and then they calculate the upper limit and the lower limit mm -hmm. and they they um, found that the optimal mean arterial blood pressure for the cerebral auto regulation is about 70, 78. Mm -hmm. and in this group um, maybe four hundred or six hundred um, 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 participant. The lower limit of suitable, but um, but for the LLA is about 65. The upper limit is about 84, and the optimal, I mean, the the average, the optimal about 78. But in in the, the in the study group, they found that seven, 17 percent, the LLA above the the optimal MAP, above the optimal um, this one, and 29 percent. The ULA, the upper limit below the optimal MAP. Well, you bring up another really good point. Uh, I, you know, I wish it were easier to do, but I believe in transcranial Doppler. Mm -hmm. You know, Bob Groom, who did a lot of work on that uh, a couple of decades ago, and a lot of people, including myself, thought he was a crackpot to some degree, and I was wrong, and I've apologized mm -hmm. to Bob many times. Uh, but today when I consider, you know, cerebral oximetry is what we have, but it is of course a mixed uh, number with skin, bone, arterial, venous, um, and it's, the, it's what we use to determine whether or not we have good cerebral perfusion, but it's only looking in that one watershed area in the frontal lobe area. Um, having transcranial Doppler with a a, a uh, uh, ultrasound going to the middle cerebral artery, you would see flow and you know you have good flow. So if you're worried about flow dependent, uh, perfusion flow dependent cerebral perfusion, you would be able to see that because you could measure flow, you could measure velocity, you could measure a lot of things. Yeah. But we don't do it because of cost and inconvenience yeah. and Right. you know all those things but we i think we should mm -hmm. yeah I, I point out this um because i want to to show that the average mean natural pressure that we keep but it's not proper for some group and the number is is not less you know 17 percent and 29 percent that um total is more than 40 percent mm -hmm. so that means it's not proper for for in some group
trying. <laughs> it's thinking. Yeah. It's spinning. Did we run out of internet? Uh-huh. I'm trying again. It's it's not doing it. Do I need to reset it? Yeah. You can keep talking, keep, but I agree. I think uh, we generally run lower than uh, lower perfusion pressures. We're, we're, we're going to be happy with a, uh, a, a mean arterial of 50 or 60 most of the time, and uh, you're probably right, that's too low. Mm -hmm. I, I want to show the next slide because- I can, they, You can't they, show they it again. Take your time, I mean, uh. I mean they, they, and they found a correlation between the suitable <laughs> autoregulation, and if you run the lower, that is its effect on kidney function. That makes sense, because the only organ that I know of that takes more blood flow per kilogram of weight is the brain, right? So that's about seven no, cc's per gram. The kid kidney does more than the brain. Yeah, yeah. But, no. but it's not. It's not primarily nutrient blood flow because it, it, it's for it, it's for for filtration. Yeah. Okay. So it doesn't need that yeah. for for. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, I just turned it off and I'm turning it back on. We've run out of internet. They <laughs> said okay. you've. Oh, it'll it'll come back up, I think, as long as you have as long as you have Wi-Fi or whatever it is you need. Mm, okay. Mm -hmm. How do we protect? Yeah. So you were on. I think you were. Yeah. Let's see. She was right there. Okay, and uh, I'm going to share it. Okay, it's sharing to Joe's iMac. Uh, we're falling apart here. Not working? Okay, well, it normally would by now. Do you have your slides? Yes, with him. Oh, you have them? I did. Oh. Do you just want me to share my laptop? See, I just don't understand what you want me to do. Oh, put it on here. Okay. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's dead. <coughs> okay. Now I understand what you wanted me to do. Effective CPB. It, that's it, right? The effective CPB associated, that's it. And, uh, no, not, not the effect. Not the effect? No, that's, uh, that's that see. one right there, right? No. no Which no. one is it? That's the only two this I have. One, one. Oh, it's this one. Oh, okay, thank you. Okay. Sorry, everyone, we're, we're, you guys can talk. Don't <laughs> leave me, just everybody's staring at me and I'm very <laughs> conscious. Now you know how I feel. It's still thinking, there it goes. Okay, here's your oh, okay. remote. Thank you. Oh, and they'll like put it. that up.
Everybody wave. We, you know what? We're a, I'll talk. We're a good. We're, everybody's being quiet. We're a great looking group. Yeah. You know, let me tell you something. We are the best looking group. Jim, do you not agree? <laughs> hey, no, no truer words have been spoken. <laughs> I mean, you know. Look, I got a reputation in the hospitals. All right. I, I, I mean. I do. Remark <laughs> what's my nickname? Remarkably calm Joe. Remarkably calm Joe. That's my nickname. Oh. Not I always it was true. Big, sexy. Not always true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're oh. back. Okay. Let's go. All right. Come and on, then, uh, tequila is waiting. <laughs> Tequila's waiting, doctor. Um yeah, and, and I show you, um, again, um, they measure the cerebral auto-regulation and the, the flow, um, as I show you. It's even be optimal, the, the optimal value, but they have some p patient um, that's lower and upper the, the limit. That's yeah, the well, uh, I mean, yeah. according to that, 46% mm -hmm. of all patients aren't, are not within mm -hmm. the best range for mm -hmm. auto-regulation. Yes, but the in interesting point is that and when they look at the the urine the urine flow, mm -hmm. they found that when the mean actual pressure, you see the, the this box, this one is about zero. If it's lower than twenty, of the lower limit, it decreasing. You see, urine flow was lower than is what at the the LLA. If it's lower LLA, more than twenty millimeter mercury, and when the mean actual pressure higher than 40 millimeter mercury above the, the LLA, the urine folate, but higher than the LLA. So that, that's why they, they try to like, it's link between the cerebral autoregulation and renal and try to figure out the optimal, um, optimal pressure that we can do. I think it's like a hope to. So there's a direct correlation between cerebral perfusion and renal perfusion is what you're saying. Yeah, for the pressure. For, for the pressure. pressure. Yes. So, um, so the from the they conclude that um, patient with cardiac surgery um, um, associated AKI that we talk all day today has a lower urine folate than with patient without the AKI. You you see from from this slide. This is no AKI. This is the AKI, and when they. They yeah. look mm -hmm. at the 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 CPB urine flow and correlate with the with the pressure at the cerebral autoregulation. And then the key point of the study, if actually they showed three study from six um, 2016, 2017, and I, I believe that 2019. The key point of that is the association of auricular and AKI was stronger when mean actual pressure was below the individual low limit of cerebral autoregulation. Uh -huh. And then maintain mean actual pressure above an individual lower limit of cerebral autoregulation might reduce the acute kidney injury. That's the point out from, from mm -hmm. this. I think that makes sense. Um, yeah, that's. Um, so that I want to, I mean, I want to focus on individual um, mean arterial pressure that 
we, we didn't do that right now. I mean, um, we haven't do for focus on it, but maybe it's hoped in the future mm -hmm. that we may we may um, have some mm -hmm. like a solution for but AKI. That is, of course, and I don't mean to, to 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 ask these questions, but I think that people are asking these questions. That is um, pressure raised by increasing flow with the same resistance by having a certain flow, DO2, hemoglobin, COP, and systemic vascular resistance, or artificially raising the pressure above the, the cerebral autoregulation pressure, notwithstanding what the flow is, because that's all going to play a role in it, right? Mm -hmm. I can flow three liters on a patient that needs five, and give you a blood pressure of 90, a mean pressure of 90 all day long. I can just make yeah, the but, SVR 2,500. But you're infusing a lot of vasoconstriction. Of course, yeah. Yeah. but yeah. on its... Yeah, that, would, that would nullify in, some of those issues. Right, yeah. in isolation, that doesn't really tell me how I have that pressure. So you, don't, you understand what yeah. I'm saying? You say that again, I'm sorry. Okay. So. Back to the key points. Maintaining mean arterial pressure above an individual's lower limit of cerebral autoregulation might reduce the risk of acute injury. What I'm saying is, does the study describe how the blood pressure was maintained above the individual's lower limit of cerebral autoregulation? Was it by increasing flow? Was it by giving pressors and increasing the systemic vascular resistance? How was it accomplished? That's a good question, but from the study, it's just um, normal procedure of CPB. Um, I can't answer how. I mean, it's just a normal procedure yes, that, that but we it's, do. No, yeah. and I don't think... The reason it yeah, should be yeah. with by, I, by maintaining flow and not, and not just constricting... That stands yeah. to reason, yeah. but that doesn't... You know, that's the problem with, I think, some of these studies is the variability of perfusion. Mm -hmm. Some people don't use pressors. They only increase the flow. Um, others mm -hmm. use a lot of pressors. Again, without knowing the details of the technique, the study gets muddied. Mm -hmm. All right. In yeah, my perspective. I got you. I got you. Yeah. Um, Why is cerebral regulation <coughs> instead of renal regulation? Although it, it's kind of like the same, but but why did they relate the cerebral regulation to kidney function? I don't know. You have to ask her. Why did they re relate cerebral regulation to kidney function? Why? To, why? Yeah. yeah. Were they just an association? You mean brain regulation? And, and and said the last conclusion was that by maintaining it above the lower limit of cerebral autoregulation help main, maintain kidney function. Because they found the oliculia. If lower than the lower limit of um, cerebral autoregulation, they found oliculia. the same, probably. Yeah, I think that's yeah, what so she was saying, same. is that there's an association. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it was associative. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, maybe it's convenient. I don't know whatever. Maybe they knew more. Maybe they knew more about cerebral autoregulation than they did kidney autoregulation. It may be easier to see it. 
Possibly so, yeah. Yeah, because again, yeah. you can use transcranial oh, Doppler, oh, but you cannot use. You don't routinely, have routinely, you're measuring some some index of of, of cerebral of, of brain regulation. You can. Okay. I'm saying that it's easier to do that. Do it, yeah. it would be easier to do that than to try and measure right. renal flow. Well, it's a surrogate. That's what I would think. But yeah. that's okay because it, they are similar. <laughs> the the, uh, the the auto regulatory plateau. I don't think it's quite as flat because. But, but that may be the only main difference. The, the inflection point is very similar, right around 70, wasn't it? Yeah, around 70. Mm -hmm. yeah. But some, some study didn't show high arterial pressure um, protect the kidney. You see, this study showed high arterial pressure doing CPB may not reduce the risk of AKI. I mean, I, I just tried to, to show so many, some, some studies. Um, they study in, um, it, I believe, in aging patient. Um, oh, because it depends how they raise the blood sugar pressure. Yeah, but um, but it, it doesn't help um, high arterial pressure more than 60 millimeter mercury from the study. Um, but it doesn't improve acute kidney injury. But I mean, um, the same, the rate is the same. But that would depend. On maybe that answers your uh, Joe's question. Uh, so it depends on how they raise the blood pressure. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think that's the yeah. that's the question, and it may be in the study, but I don't know. For, for this sixty millimeter mercury, for for this study, but the conclusion is is very nice conclusion. I mean, even high blood pressure or I, I don't want to say low blood pressure. I mean, um, more than sixty or or about sixty, the kidney injury rate it it doesn't different between the two group, but the conclusion is very nice. I, li I, I like the conclusion. Cardiac surgery should therefore be considered not only a risk factor for developing AKI, but also a risk factor for permanent loss of renal function. Wait a minute, I, you like that conclusion? I, this is what I do for a living. <laughs> I need to, well, cardiac surgery should benefit the kidney. Mm. If we should have a conclusion that cardiac surgery done right reduces kidney injury yeah. and then send all the patients to us <laughs> no I, I understand you yeah but i mean um the the, the result showed it doesn't different between mm. high blood pressure or, or blood pressure about 60 it, it doesn't different that means it's effect on kidney even you high blood pressure or even you you maintain the same rate blood pressure mm -hmm. it's not only aki but it, it's like an impair for long term. That's yes. from the conclusion. Yeah, I think yeah. I think I think I've always I think I've always recognized yeah. and believed that. Mm -hmm. And uh, and also they they, they found um, I mean um, they measured uh, the NGAO, um which is showed the tubular mm -hmm. injury, which is the same in in both group. So um, I talk about the temperature, how to con control, right? I'll talk about the hematocrit, the, um, the DO2. I talk about the pressure. Maybe we need to keep um, correlated with the cerebral autoregulation. And then I'll show you for the, the blood flow. Um, it's very, I mean, um, the question for perfusion is how optimal blood flow that we can, we can do. Like, like I mentioned, cardiac index 2.4, to 570. What's about you? Huh? What's about um, when you run CPB? 
for you to for the cardiac cardiac index. Index, um, you know, it it it's gonna vary, uh, but I would say between, depending on what's going on with the procedure, uh, you know, index of 2.2, 2.4, uh, maybe less if they're having trouble, we're having drainage issues, they're pulling the heart over really hard to try to get to a PDA or an OM or something like that graft. Um, so, you know, but I would say I try not to go under 1.6 for any length of time, and I try to stay between 2, 2.4, 2.2 probably in that range. About 2.2, 2.4, yeah. No. Generally speaking. Yeah. Uh, um, to for me also. But that's going to depend on hematocrit. That's going to depend on yes. other factors yeah, as that well. Yeah, uh, we talk about. Yeah, and um, the study in, in animal study also is nice study from from the Dr. Evans team. Um, just probably in 2020, and they show um, <laughs> it's too far for me, and I can see um, clearly lovely. But um, they show the effect. You maintain. In, you increase for with increased um, blood pressure by, I, I mean, even medication or flow, you control from the heart lung machine, and also you give the vessel pressure all together, both improve um, kidney function. Huh. They, um, like I mentioned, it's too far for, it's not, excuse me, um, can I uh, have a seat? It's too far for me. I, I cannot see it. Oh, you can't see it? Yeah. Which one? Oh. Um, oh, come sit over here. Yeah, okay. Th thank you. Yeah, you can walk around. Yeah. I'm so sorry. No, I, I you don't have to be sorry. No, no worries. <laughs> I can't. Come sit here. Yeah. There. Okay, thank you. Oh, yeah. Just like you take over. She walked through there really easily. I did um, not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I'll show I'll show the, this slide, and you can see for um, from the skin at the standard. That's mean the standard CPV that that we did. And if you increase flow and also you give medication, which is uh, increased blood mm -hmm. pressure, all of this is increased renal. You you can see increased sy systemic DO2 is increased. Um, and for the for the um, light column is increase um, oxygen uh, renal DO2 also, which is they conclude that is hell. You increase flow and you use the vessel pressure for increase um, mean natural pressure. Both it improve kidney function. And then um, from this study. They also um, compare between pulsatile and non-pulsatile. They start from um, non-pulsatile four, and when they switch to um, pulsatile, and then they switch to non-pulsatile again from the, the T-series of the experiment, and compare pulsatile and non-pulsatile. Both pulsatile and non-pulsatile, it no effects on, on kidney. I mean, um, the, the result is same. It, similar in, in both pulsatile and non-pulsatile. So they, they conclude from the study that increased for, I mean, like a high folate with um, increased mean natural pressure by vessel pressure all together improve kidney function. But this is from animal study. Mm -hmm. And for the, uh, for the clinical study, 
that I show in the morning, and I'll, I want to um, emphasize again. They compare the, the CPB4 between cardiac index 2.4, 2.7, and at cardiac index at 3. And you can see at 2.7 and um, at cardiac index at 3, it improved uh, increasing the DO2. That's the measure from the DO2i. And when they look at specific at the renal function, both um, cardiac index at 2.7 and at 3, if, um, yes, again, it's improved um, um, all together of the renal function, like uh, decrease the renal extraction rate. Decrease renal extraction rate is mean that um, the mismatch is better, right? So that's very, um, from the very good from the study that showed it. And then again, the um, study for the Greenhold trial, right now I expect um, for finish and next year, the participant about um, 100 participants, um, they compare the flow about 2.4 and 2.9, and um, they point out for the renal function and compare for the renal injury also. But um, we need to, I mean, <laughs> waiting for, for the result for this Greenhold trial. And this is the four factor that relate for from the CPB. And I want to point out for, um, just remind for those two things. The first one is biocompatibility coding. I think, I believe that we use that um, already. I mean, that's normal. Yeah, that's normal. Yes, yeah. you can still get, uh, but you have to special order mm -hmm. non-biocompatible uh, materials. It'd be very rare, but, but that's, that's only within the past probably 10 years. But this is the oxygenator, but what about the tubing? The tubing as well. So oh, they have, okay. yeah, most of the tubing is now extruded with a uh, process as opposed to a coating mm -hmm. uh, like Carmita or Trillium or something like mm -hmm. that. Uh, they use uh, a particular type of etching. It's called a smart uh, tubing of some sort, but they use, John, uh, 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 Jim, you might be able to talk more about that but it's something to do with the, uh, with the uh, uh, internal lumen being designed so that a first pass lays down a layer of protein and acts as a mm -hmm. pseudo endothelial lining. Mm -hmm. Probably pretty rudimentary, but that's, that's the best I could dis dis explain it. You have any thoughts on that, Jim? Yeah, that's Jim? about right. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's about right. It's, um I'm not familiar with the um, with the whole process. E either it's been treated or it hasn't been treated. Mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not privy to all of the all of the coatings and all of the techniques or anything like that. Right. It's either coated or it's not. Right. So our oxygenators is very hard. You can get tubing that's non-biocompatible. I think fairly right. easily still, but everything we use from uh, catheter connection to catheter mm -hmm. connection, oh, cool. all the entire circuit is uh, is has some type of biocompatible, uh, either material or design. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. I just want to point out. Yeah, that that is you know, even you uh, use the heparin um, coated or or anything that's coated. But yes, just um to remind is help for reduce the inflammatory response. So I mean for the Greenhouse trial, the outcome is in the same way. Just mm -hmm. to point out, that's, that's held at a lot. 
And um, the last one that I, I want to discuss is about the, uh, how you pronounce Mayak. Oh, uh, yes, Min we'll just say minimally invasive mm -hmm. extracorporeal mm -hmm. circuit. Mm -hmm. It's a closed circuit. You see that they have a bag up there that they're using as a reservoir, uh, but basically it's a reservoir-less mm, yeah. system. And the whole idea, you don't have pump suckers, you don't have vents, uh, because the, uh, they want to reduce or eliminate the blood-air interface because that is understood to be extremely pro-inflammatory. Mm -hmm. What uh, is driving the pressure? You have a, it's like an ECMO. You still have it. Okay. Yes, you still have flow. It's basically doing cardiac surgery with just an ECMO, and they use that bag to drain off volume from the patient's heart and drain it just enough so that they can continue to have flow, but it's a closed system. So when you do regular bypass, you have the main arterial circuit uh, and the reservoir, but you also have a cardiotomy sucker and you have vents. And as those suckers and vents work, they will draw and mix with air and then it goes into a, the venous, re the, the, the cardiotomy compartment of the venous reservoir and become defoamed and then go back into the mm -hmm. main venous reservoir. That blood air interface is known to be very pro-inflammatory. Uh, and this system does work for those that are patient and want to use it, but most surgeons want suckers and they want vents mm -hmm. and they wanna be able to do the operation. You could do a coronary this way um, I know they do valves with it in Europe, uh, but it has never really, I don't believe it's very well adapted. In other words, I don't think mm -hmm. that it's a lot of people doing, it's very uncommon. No. Um, and I don't think that it, uh, it, it's, it makes doing the operation a lot more challenging. So your question is, am I gonna get a good operation here or am I gonna not have a blood or air, blood air interface? But so basically, no. Not in this case, no. No, in, in, in no, not in that case either. No, the heart still gets stopped. So why would they get a good operation then? Because you're not gonna have other means of draining the heart and clearing the field. Oh, okay. So it's not right. as convenient yeah, 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 for yeah, the yeah, surgeon. It's really more visibility than okay. it is anything else. Right. But if you're skilled at it and it's what you are committed to doing, um, you can do it, but you have to have the patience and the understanding of the limitations of the system. And a lot of surgeons have zero patients, actually have a negative integer patients <laughs> yeah. level, and uh, they want suckers and they want What's vents. just draining it off? You lose too much? N no, it's it, with this system, when you're doing this, there's a very fine line, and I don't know if you can see the picture or not, but that basically becomes the reservoir. And there's a very fine line when you're using a closed circuit like an ECMO and volume in the patient. So you can empty the heart, but you can only empty the venous capacitance system so much before you have no flow anymore because mm -hmm. there's the, it's the venous system yeah, collapses. And so having that balance is challenging to maintain 
to keep good flow for the patient. Generally, when you do these cases, you uh, are really running much lower flows than you normally would with an open system. Mm -hmm. uh, gives you a lot less versatility as far as that's concerned. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No. <laughs> yeah, I, I just for our um, family, but because um, the show is, you know, it's like VLAN CPB in the closed circuit, uh, I, I think like the same at ECMO, that's more physiologic um, that they show the benefit to microcirculation, mm -hmm. maybe in like uh, improved uh, kidney function. But mm -hmm. a, lot I, less I no a lot less hemodilution as well. Yeah, but um, I have no experience on this, but just um, want to point out and um, to discuss with you. But yeah, maybe help. <laughs> I, I mean, um, I have never do that, um, but just um, right now that's that they update for, for this. And also for the, for the, I think the bundle for the Kidigo um, recommend um, for how we can protect the, the AKIs. Um, we need to cost monitor for the renal function. Um, if we can do, we uh, monitor the hemodynamic as we talk um, all day about what's about the pressure, what's about the flow. Also, we need to optimize the, the fluid. Um, right, when you talk about the albumin, the mannitol, the, um, you, what's about your priming? So um, our priming circuit is, uh, you know, right about, if we have zero in our venous reservoir, about 750 cc's, mm -hmm. but we don't ever leave zero in the reservoir. We'll usually put some uh, in there. So it's about 1,000 to 1,100. Uh, that includes with the cardioplegia uh, primed. Now we'll flush the cardioplegia out. So the patient impact, I would say is probably a liter. No, if sorry. you don't wrap, probably about <laughs> a liter. He do lap. Yeah. Um, but uh, I mean, um, your palming solution is mixed between crystalloy and colloy and albumin oil. Yes. I mean, that's recipe. So when I do a case, I'm very aggressive when it comes to albumin. Mm. So I will go on bypass with a completely, because I use vacuum assist mm. and an open reservoir. So I will have no volume in the venous line. Mm -hmm. I'll drain the venous line and oh. get rid of all that volume. I'll run my volume in the oxygenator, just the heparinized uh, uh, plasma light or whatever, to zero, and then I'll add uh, um, the minimum amount of albumin I'm going to put in mm -hmm. is uh, is 50 grams. Mm -hmm. So I'll put 50 grams of albumin. I'll oh, put okay. 12 and a half grams of mannitol. Mm -hmm. I'll put uh, whatever else we're going to put, Amacar or mm -hmm. whatever uh, uh, we're going to drug we're going to use. I'll put all of that cocktail in there, and then I'll run the level down mm -hmm. to about 200. And oh. then when they go to connect the arterial line and we bump forward, I have enough to do that and have it be de-aired, mm -hmm. the aortic cannula to the pump circuit itself, okay. and then go on bypass, get my level up, and then start my arterial flow. So I, I, I would say that, you know, a lot of people, 12 and a half grams of mannitol is normal, 25 grams. That's their uh, iteration of aggressive, I, 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 everybody gets 50 grams of albumin, whether they need it or not. Mm. And that's how I do my cases. Okay. It's, yeah. you know, it's yeah. half-life is relatively short and notwithstanding the concern, and you brought it up in your lecture, the very real concern about capillary leak syndrome, mm -hmm. most cardiac surgery patients 
are not, they do not have capillary leak. Okay. So that is a very, that is real, I mean, that's a devastating diagnosis. And obviously you wouldn't give somebody with that albumin because uh, it's just going to exacerbate an already big problem. Mm -hmm. And most of the time, if they have severe capillary leak syndrome, they're going to die um, yeah. more than likely. So, uh, so, you know, but very rarely do you see that in cardiac surgery. Mm -hmm. Most of those patients are otherwise, they may not otherwise be healthy, but we, the note says when you write your, 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 your pre-op note, it usually says otherwise healthy. Now they may be all messed up. They're, their, their diabetes is out of whack and they have all these other issues going on, but they're not dying. They usually, they're elective. They walk into the hospital mostly. Most of our cases are elective uh, procedures. You agree with that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, we need to avoid hypoglycemia. Um, I mean, I, I want to say, I do, I do the experiment um, we, we call the insulin camp, and you're um, familiar with the insulin camp. Um, we call the experiment in, in insulin camp in, in animal study. Um, we need to infill the insulin and glucose in the proper way because we, we want to see um, how uptake the glucose in the body mm -hmm. and need to very proper. But you know, for the experiment, sometimes, um, like uh, we start, sometimes it's high, um, but glucose. Um, it's not proper between the infusion rate of insulin and high blood and glucose I infill, and and then we s we saw the the urine output um, very high urine, and um, very effect on animal condition. So that's I really keep in mind from from um, my experience from the the experiment. Hyperglycemia very need to concern. Um, I mean, during the operation, during the CPB, it's effect a lot. It's effect a lot. Sometimes you s you saw the urine output. The, oh, there's a high urine output. Maybe it's not good. Maybe that is in the hyperglycemia condition of the mm -hmm. patient. We need to to concern about this also. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, but you know, of course, I mean, we give mannitol to 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 uh, uh, to stimulate an osmotic diuresis and. You know, most of the time somebody walks into the emergency room and they can't quench their thirst. Mm -hmm. You know, they basically, they have great urine output for a period of time, right? <laughs> yeah. So sometimes hyperglycemia, mm -hmm. but it may decrease renal perfusion, but you're still forcing an osmotic mm -hmm. diuresis that yeah. is from a different reason. The diuresis mm -hmm. is occurring for a different reason. Yeah. Yeah. And that may be deleterious to the kidney, I'm assuming, is what you're yeah. saying. Yeah, that, that's what I want to point out. Sometimes you, you saw that good, um, good for urine output, very good for maybe it's not good. Maybe some condition effect on the high urine folate. That's hyperglycemia is one of the factors in this. And um, yeah, avoid to like uh, some medication. Um, I mean, from from the critical recommendation, you need to avoid some medication that toxic on on your nephron on the kidney. That's all that maybe help. Finally, even <laughs> if AKI occur, the transfer of information to on caregivers medic medication um, and patient education are essential to reduce the risk of long-term complication. I appreciate in, in, in this word um, from uh, the publication. Yeah, that is all of mine and I have um, the last slide. Hey, wait before you do it. Hey, Magic, can you get Vicky and, uh, Vicky, uh, and Christina, if, if Christina is still here, please?
wait before you do the slides. Oh, for my last slide? Yes. Oh, okay. If you don't mind. All right. Okay. <laughs> this is called Kimberly. Mm -hmm. Kimberly's right here. No, I said if AKI occurs. Oh, then, then we, we call, call Kimberly. Kimberly. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Here we go. Last slide. I'll go to last slide. We're ready. <laughs> uh, I, I joined um, Joe Bogam, um, I mean, uh, on May or April, on May. On May, that's the last time that I, I came here. Yes, yeah, in and May. I, and yes. I, and I share with you, I have so many questions during our perfusionist, and I dream to like, study physiology. And renal autoregulation is the main part that um, I'm very interested in. And finally, after I graduated the PhD, <laughs> I email to to some professor. <laughs> I email to you. I email. I am a professionist. I don't know that you know professionist or not, but I email you like this very long email. I'm, I'm very shy. I should not do that. Why I email to Apai um, for the position, but very long email. But he did. Uh, yeah. Finally, um, I, I was your postdoc. <laughs> in yeah. 2017 and 2002 years with Dr. Nava, I worked on the renal autoregulation, um, the, the video that I show you. And from the, uh, the video that I show you, we got five awards. You remember that? Mm -hmm. um, one of five awards, um, they invite both of us together, awardee and mentor, and they show this picture together. And, um, and you um, say to me on that day, you say, congratulations. And I say thank you. And again today, I'll say thank you. <laughs> and thank you, everybody. That's it, all of my talk. And, uh, and Dr. Navar, we understand that you're, and, and I don't know if this is true, I'm just, I'm asking first, but is it true that you're going to be stepping down as chair of the Department of Physiology at Tulane after 34 years? Next week. And I'm sure that you have, you have mentored many a, uh, a, a, a PhD postdoctorate study uh, a student fellow. I'm not sure exactly yes, what term yes. you use. Yes and yes. yes, yes yeah. But no doubt Dr. Yeah. Kultani was your favorite. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. No well, doubt. For, right. for your 34 years of, of service to this profession and for your time that you did for us here, Humbly, I can only say thank you and thank you as well, and for all of us, thank you. Yeah. Really, uh, and everyone out in everyone out in Web World. It's been very gratifying. <laughs> it's been very gratifying. But I will still probably I may still have students, but but no longer after November one, I will no longer be chair. But that's okay. Thirty-four years, you're on a good ride. That's a, had, that's, a, a <laughs> that's an amazing lifetime. Mm -hmm. It's an amazing lifetime. Well, thank you for all thank you've you. done for us today. We've learned from both of you just an incredible amount, and we can't thank you enough. Jim, I know that you are good friends with uh, Dr. Tabby. Uh, why don't I let you, if it's okay, close us out. Okay, well, I just want to say, Sawadikap, thank you, thank you. Um, and it's been an honor and a pleasure to spend this Saturday morning and afternoon with all of you fine individuals and fine professionals. Thank you, thank you very much. Thank you, Jim. We appreciate you. Vicki, 
thank you for putting all of this together, helping with all of that you've done, all the arrangements, bringing Dr. Navarre and Dr. Tabby here, feeding us, David, Magic, I want to thank you guys for everything you guys did to make this program look as great as it did. And uh, notwithstanding the few little technical glitches, I thought it went fantastic. Um, and I appreciate that all very much. They, they've said nothing. You can, uh, huh? You're welcome. Thank you. And thanks to Kimberly. Too. And thanks to Kimberly. Kimberly. Yes, our, our resident intensive care patient management expert. Thank you very much. All right. We'll see you all next month uh, for our final program of the year. And, but this was a special program. Again, Jim, I will make sure you get a certificate uh, so that you can have the 5.7 credits. Actually, I think this program should have been approved for 20, um, but 5.7 is the most we're gonna get out of it. Uh, but you certainly okay. deserve that. Thanks again for your time. Okay, we'll see y'all in November. Okay, thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.